welcome to the Abbott Nutrition Health Institute podcast. I'm Mara Bowen, and I'm here again today with Dr. Nicholas Duke, picking up where we left off from our most recent episode on the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. If you missed our last episode, we discussed the impact of pandemics on older people and provided the European Society for Clinical Nutrition and Metabolism, that's ESPEN's recommendations for nutritional care to support improved outcomes of individuals in the community. You can find this episode by visiting anhi.org and clicking community. We're taking that discussion one step further today by talking about malnutrition and muscle loss, which is common in patients with COVID-19. We know that elderly people and those with comorbidities are especially at greater risk of malnutrition and muscle loss. Bed rest, immobility, in combination with illness, accelerate muscle loss, which in turn contributes to prolonged ICU hospital stays, prolonged recovery, and worsened clinical outcomes. Now, ESPEN has recently published recommendations for best practice in nutritional care to support improved outcomes in patients with the SARS-CoV-2 infection. And so today, Dr. Dutz will talk about the importance of an early and adequate approach to nutritional support over the healthcare continuum. This podcast recording may sound a little bit softer than you're used to hearing, and for the sake of social distancing, Dr. Dutz and I are both dialing in for today's discussion rather than sitting in the studio. Dr. Dutz, welcome back. We're grateful you can join us. Thank you for having me today. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your current role, and what brought you to this area of focus in your career? Yes, so I'm an MDPD, uh, original from the Netherlands, moved to the U.S. in 2006. And, uh, and all my life I did uh, research in nutrition and metabolism. I'm, I'm very much focused on trying to uh, positively affect metabolism. And that's why in my research, I did a lot of studies, for instance, in ICU patients and critically ill patients, see whether we can positively influence the metabolism. Uh, and when I moved to the U.S., I keep on uh, working together with others in the U.S. to do this type of research. Espen recently released its new guidelines of the nutritional management of individuals with a SARS-CoV-2 infection. So I'd like to start by asking you about the specific needs of patients who've been hospitalized with severe symptoms, including pneumonia. Yeah, so I think if, if a patient is hospitalized for any infection, and of course the SARS-CoV-2 infection, what we call the COVID-19 uh, epidemic, this is really a very severe viral infection that is very uh, has many very severe symptoms. So patients are are really becoming very sick, which means that if somebody already is vulnerable, say older people, people that didn't eat enough, have lost a lot of muscle mass, or have a lot of comorbidities like diabetes, obesity, they all are very much affected to that. And then what happens usually is that when uh, all the people are admitted to the hospital and they were usually the ones that have, were not so strong in their muscle, then they suddenly have to breathe so much more because it becomes so much uh, difficult, more difficult for breathing, for instance. So muscle strength in general is a very important point. And on top of that, if somebody is in the hospital, usually they very quickly will lose even more muscle mass because there is inactivity, because it's very hard to move when you are very sick. So then even the strength will go away. So the longer somebody is in the hospital, the more difficult it will be for this person to cope with such a disease. 
So clearly, this is an extremely serious issue. What should healthcare professionals do to minimize the impact of muscle loss in these patients? Uh, the first thing is that healthcare professionals should understand this point of loss of muscle uh, because of inactivity, but also of the change in metabolism. So it's very important to try to identify malnutrition and loss of muscle now as soon as possible. So we always advocate to immediately start screening patients when they are admitted to the hospital to identify whether these patients are of increased risk. And besides that, malnutrition usually means that there is not enough food intake, which usually happens before people are admitted to the hospital. They were already sick. If possible, immediately start a nutritional support when people are in the hospital and ensure that there is sufficient intake of protein because protein plays such a key role in that. So for healthy older adults, uh, we already advise to, uh, that the intake of protein is somewhat higher than, than normal and at least one gram per day, kilogram body weight per day, and also looking at the individual nutritional status and activity and the disease state, but when people are admitted to hospital and they are very sick, we actually advise to even increase the protein intake further. Because when, for instance, there is an infection or, or the body responds to the infection with the inflammation, there is a much higher need of uh, protein and amino acids. So you have your metabolism is totally changed and you have to positively influence that. So then we come up with higher amounts from 1.2, 1.5 grams per kilogram body weight protein per day, or even up to 2 grams per kilogram body weight per day. So, and there have still a lot of uh, trials going and have been published to show that even higher increase of protein in the ICU, for instance, is still is of benefit. You mentioned many of these patients will be older persons with existing malnutrition or comorbidities, and the effects of the illness may make it difficult for them to consume additional protein from their diet alone. Should they be offered oral nutrition supplements to improve dietary intake and nutritional status, as well as lower the risk of complications and readmission? Absolutely. I think... uh if possible already, when people get ill at home, then already is the moment to be sure that there is sufficient uh, nutritional intake. Just to when, when in the event people have submitted to the hospital, they did not lose already a lot of muscle mass and were malnourished. Uh, it's very uh, interesting. We, uh, we, uh, not so long ago, we did a large study and also a recent study from Switzerland showed that if people that are admitted to the hospital because, for instance, for pneumonia or an exacerbation of COPD, when you provide sufficient nutrition in the hospital already, that these patients have a better survival. So nutrition really can save lives. Uh, what kind of oral nutritional supplements should we give? Now, first of all, it's very important that these oral nutritional supplements have, are high in protein because, you know, protein is very important. And uh, the research that I uh, reported was actually a, a nutritional supplement that also com- contains a component that has a positive effect on muscle health, which is called beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is called HMB. 
So in hospital treatment, as soon as possible, is really critical uh, for survival of patients. Now, we know a small proportion of COVID-19 patients will develop severe respiratory failure, septic shock, organ failure, which will require mechanical ventilation in the ICU. What are the specific concerns for this patient population? Yeah, so this, this what you described, is a very severe situation with a high mortality. It's, uh, it's the moment that everybody has to work very hard to keep the patient alive. And in that situation, the body is also very, very active to try to cope with this problem. And the only way for the body to obtain sufficient nutrients for, for instance, where the infection is, is to break down protein. And the protein source in your body is muscle. So people in critical illness will lose an enormous amount of muscle in a very short time period. So, for instance, if people were at the ICU and then recovered and come out of the ICU, they usually have lost an enormous amount of muscle. But also on top of that, this muscle is not very strong, so they are very weak. And uh, it could well last more than a year before somebody is back to normal. So when people with critical illness are admitted to the ICU and come back, the disease is not done when they are at home. Then you get a very long rehabilitation period that is needed. So the loss of the muscle in the ICU also is, of course, then the situation that people become less strong and then, of course, cannot breathe so uh, well, and that's always another problem if people are on the respirator and uh, they were taken off, uh, then they have a hard time to breathe on their own because they were so weak. We are, we did not, uh, show that, uh, that for instance, the HMB that we tested in the study that I just mentioned also would happen, uh, would have a positive effect. But for sure, we know that increasing the protein intake probably is very important in the ICU. What is the best way to provide nutrition support to these patients? Now, it's clear that if somebody is intubated, that oral nutrition with all nutritional supplements, that's absolutely not possible. So uh, we always advocate to, so as soon as possible, to give uh, enteral nutrition and tube feeding. Uh, and early means really after stabilization of the patient within 48 hours of admission. And every patient really should be uh, treated like that. If that is not possible, then there is an option to keep parental nutrition, but that usually is only done when we are absolutely sure there is no way to give sufficient uh, nutrition through the enteral route. So we know nutritional needs of ICU patients will change over time. What are the optimal targets for protein and calories? Now, first, let's talk about calories then. Uh, calories means energy. Now, we know that, uh, of course, people that are in the ICU, they have an inflammation. So that by itself increases the energy need. But on the other hand, because people are totally inactive of the ICU, that need of energy has gone down. So overall, uh, all the research shows that the needs in energy are actually not higher, but probably even a little bit lower. 
So that's why the general feeling is that confiding calories should not be completely a target, but actually it should be a little bit less to be absolutely sure that we do not overfeed uh, our patients uh, with calories. For protein, that is a different story because uh, the protein itself would help maintain the, the protein mass in the body. So that's why uh, there is really a focus now of increasing the protein intake to be sure that that has an, uh, a positive effect, for instance, on the muscle mass. Even with nutrition support, patients surviving acute complications through long ICU stays will face further worsening or new onset of malnutrition and wasting. What should we be doing to support their discharge from hospital and recovery in the community? Yeah, so as I indicated, when patients survive and uh, are discharged from the ICU, go to the ward and then from the ward at home, in the phase after the ICU, there are many moments in which actually still this patient needs a lot of care because this patient has to recover. Think about it. If you have lost a lot of muscle mass, you have to eat a lot of protein for a long time to get the uh, muscle mass back on top of being more active, which is usually difficult because people feel always very, very weak after discharge from, uh, from the ICU. So this is one of the most important times. So to try to improve the rehabilitation and the chances of patients that are discharged, of course, are very high of malnutrition and it can take a long time. Our own study, for instance, in which we uh, tested the effect of in-hospital and after discharge uh, uh, supplementation of an all-nutritional supplement, we gave that for 90 days after discharge. And still, a large percentage of our patients were malnourished. We could improve the nutrition condition and draw only one-third of all the patients, but still, still two-thirds were malnourished. In other words, it can take a very long time and you have to provide nutrition for a very long time until people really are back in the strength. Dr. Dutz, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate all you're doing to help build awareness for the important role nutrition has to play in the management of patients with coronavirus. And to our listeners, our website, anhi.org, has a series of resources related to this topic. For instance, infographics on nutrition and immunity, dehydration, and why maintaining muscle matters, which you've heard about today. You can find these resources on anhi.org by clicking resources and then printable materials, or by scrolling to the end of this transcript for this podcast episode. If you're hoping for more podcast episodes on nutrition and immunity, rest assured we're developing a series of additional episodes to help support you. So become an ANHI.org member today by clicking register at the top of our homepage to receive regular nutrition science news updates from our team. And if you're looking for supporting information on physical activity guidelines for older adults, just scroll to the bottom of the transcript for this podcast episode to find links to resources from the National Health Services United Kingdom website. Thank you, everyone, and stay healthy and safe. Thank you.